sanctity of life. You ever use those words? We, we can have a habit, and we've said it before, look, words matter. And when we use words, they matter, they mean something. I have a feeling, though, if we were to say, okay, so what is the definition of sanctity? We may close our mouth a little bit more, wouldn't we? What do we mean with sanctity of life? What is it? So let's explain that. The word sanctity comes from the Latin word sanctus, which means holiness, set-apartness, sacredness. So when we talk about the sanctity of human life, we are talking about the holiness of life, the life that is set apart, that it's sacred, it's holy. It's meant to be treated like that, that life is valued, life is precious. We've said before that whatever the Bible says is true, Satan comes along and says, is it? Is that true? Did God say Don't believe that. That's not true. And you can look around our world and you can see that. The the culture we are in, it says anything but life is sacred. But you need to know this morning that life is a gift. And yet I fear that there are ways in which we as the people of God have bought into the lie. There are ways that we, as the people of God, we don't believe that life, all life, is sacred and precious. So what does the Bible say about this? And that's always the question about everything, is it? What does God tell us is true? What does the Bible say? Well, let's start at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God did what? Created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1 starts with God forming the habitat into which he will place humanity. And he forms it how? How does he do it? By by speaking. That he speaks existence. That there is power there. He says, let there be light. And there it was. Let the waters form and let dry land appear. And there was. Let the earth sprout forth trees and flowers and vegetation, and it did. That he creates sun and moon, stars and planets, fish and other sea creatures, livestock and dinosaurs. You listening? Birds of the sky. All of it. That we get this incredible, powerful picture of the creativity of our God, that God brought all of it into existence by the power of his word, and all of it, he says, all the plants, they're going to multiply by their kind and in their own image. The animals, the same way, as they multiply, you may have noticed that chickens have baby chickens. <laughs> I have people come up and say, you know, I learned something today. If anybody says that today, I will, about that, I will be just shocked and honored. Cows have baby calves. So on and so forth. That's the picture. Let them produce. Let them multiply in their image, in their kind, according to their likeness. And then we come to chapter 1, verse 26, and the stage is set. Creation is ready. And God says, let us make man in our image and after our 
likeness, according to our kind, and just like us, just like what we've done, man is to multiply and to fill the earth. Just like us, just like what God does, he is to rule over and he is to have dominion. And yet, instead of God just speaking man into existence, we get this picture in chapter 2 that, that doesn't exactly speak as if he's from this distance and he's doing this work across the room or across the planet. Instead, we get the picture that God reaches down into the dirt and he picks it up and he forms it and he molds it from the dust of the ground, making man. And then he brings his face close to the man he's created. And it's a picture like, and I want to be careful with this, because God is not body, God is spirit. So understand when the Bible talks about the hand of God or the face of God and all these sort of things, that you aren't to take your mind and form an image of God because the law actually says what? Don't do that. But it's as if God comes down, forms, puts his face to, his mouth to, and he breathes into man the breath of life. And you can hear that and you say, well, hold up. This is different. That this is unlike anything else he's already done. This is not like the rest. Something is happening here. Something special. Something intimate. Something holy. That this one right here is God's special revelation. That this one here, it's the only one who is made in his image according to his likeness. So you can see why the psalmist would say in Psalm 8 that we read earlier, When I look to your heavens, when I look to the stars, the work of your fingers, the moon, that which you've set into place, what is man that you're mindful of him? What is the son of man that you care for us. Yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and you've crowned him with glory and with honor. That's, that's what God has done. That he has wrapped man and woman with value and with honor. Understand this fact. It is the fact that man and woman are made in the image and likeness of God that gives us value. And this value is intrinsic. It's not instrumental. And what we mean by that is the value of humanity is there simply because you are in the image of God, because you and I have been stamped with his eternal image. That is your value. The human life is precious. It's valuable. It's holy. It's sacred because of who created you. That it's not instrumental because it's not based on what you bring to the table. It's not based on your skills or your talents, your wealth. It's not based on your social or economic factors. It's not based on gender or race, job status or state of health. Your life is precious because you are made in the image of God. And nothing at all can change that fact. And it's that right there. It's because of that 
that every single human being on the face of the earth is made in the image of God. It's that that makes any attack or any belittling of a person not simply a sin against them. It is a sin and an attack against their creator. Think about what David said after what he did to Uriah and to Bathsheba. What did he say? God Against you, you only have I sinned, and I've done what is evil in your sight. Look, if you look around the world, you need to understand the world does not hold to this. But as God's people, you and I must. So this morning, the question for you is this. Do you know that life is precious? Do you believe that? Let's start personal. Do you know your life is precious? That it is a gift of God? Do you know that this is true of every single life? It is precious. It's holy. It's His. And yet usually when we hear the word sanctity of life, the only thing we think of is abortion. We may even respond, yes, I hold to the sanctity of life because I'm pro-life. Because I vote for pro-life candidates in which I would say, bravo, yes, correct, right, keep doing that. It's a good start. But life isn't just precious and holy in the womb. Life matters there. Life matters at birth. Life matters at death, and life matters every second in between. Life matters at birth. So what the Bible says, and yet since 1973, over 63 million babies have been aborted in this nation. Look, I could hear possibly someone saying, oh yeah, God bent down in the garden and he created man out of the dust right there, but he doesn't do that with us. That it's not close, it's not personal anymore, it's not intimate. But how does the Bible describe us and how we were brought together? It says this, that he formed our inmost, our inward parts. That the psalmist says to him, you knitted me, God, together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul, my deepest part, knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes, God, saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was not one of them. Listen, from the womb, God was responsible for your formation. He did that. He formed you. He knit you together. He knows your frame. He knows your deepest part because he puts you together. And because of that, you have value. Your children have value. I actually enjoy, and now I'm yelling so I can't hear it all together, so maybe you have an excuse, but I enjoy hearing children cry out in here. Why? 
Because it's precious. There is life. I mean, that wasn't an invitation <laughs> to do it. Oh, there you are back there. Hey, buddy. Thank you. I think he said amen, if you're wondering. That child's life has incredible value. And so does yours. All of human life, even in the womb, is valuable, and it should be treated as such. Now, I know this to be true. There are some in here who have had a hand in abortion. Could have been your child that you decide you didn't want. Understand something. That child was being knit together in its mother's womb by the Lord. And if you ended that life, then you have sinned against the Creator. It doesn't matter how the culture sees it. It doesn't matter what the world says. God has made it plain. And as Ray said earlier, I want you to know this too. I want you to hear this. Your sin can be forgiven through Jesus Christ. It's it's not just true. Look, I am not setting some separate or special case for this. I'm not standing up here saying, if you've done that, I'm better than you because I'm not. No matter what you've done, your sin can be forgiven by God. That that's why Jesus came. That for each of us, we sang our sins, they are many, and most of us know that is true, but that his mercy is more. And Jesus came to take that sin from you, to bear the penalty and the weight of that sin, to die in your place. And if you will repent of your sin, if you will trust in Jesus Christ, then he will forgive you. He will forgive you. That's what he does. He will save you. Here's, here's what I know. There are 63 million souls in heaven whose lives were ended by abortion And if one of those children is yours, I hope that you will trust in Christ. And that one day when you die, that child will meet you at heaven's gates and you can go in and y'all can worship forever. God is gracious. God is merciful. Life matters even in the womb. And life matters at death. I was reading an article the other day about a Canadian doctor. It was two Canadian women doctors who were bragging about how they have helped over 400 people in their life by suicide. One of these doctors said, this is the greatest work we've ever done, the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Canada has a problem, uh, uh, a program, it's a problem, called MADE. And it stands for Medical Assistance in Dying. It is a government-sponsored, tax-paid Uh, program to help people whose lives they see just as not worth living anymore. Usually your status in that program is determined by some type of terminal disease, but there have also been exceptions that have continued to rise and build upon it. The people have started seeking assisted suicide because they were running low on money, seeking to die because they were lonely. One specific man I read about was choosing to end his life because his eyes were going bad. That's Canada. But here's the deal. There are 10 states in this nation that currently have similar laws on the book. It's not just our neighbors to the north. It's everywhere. Here's the deal. Life is hard. Living in a fallen world is brutally 
difficult. Let's not be naive. It's hard. Life hurts sometimes. Do you know that on average right now, one man every minute commits suicide? How long have we been in here? I better speed up. One man every minute. And I don't doubt and I don't want to be naive enough to think that there are people in this room who are thinking about it right now. That life has gotten hard for you. And suicide has started to sound like a good option. If that's where you are, please come talk to me. Please don't carry that weight on your own. Please come find me and let's have a conversation. Life is not yours to give. And life is not yours to take. But Jesus said this, I've come that you may have life. And you may have it to the fullest. You may have it abundantly. It's here And he offers it. And I want to lock arms with you and we will fight for that life together. That we will run that race side by side for you. And we will pursue the life that Jesus came to give you. Don't end it, please. This world tells you that suicide's a good option. The Bible tells you it's murder. That that's what suicide is, it's sin. And going after sin will never bring you peace. It doesn't work. It won't work. Life is precious at birth. Life is precious at death in every single moment. Look, this isn't what the world says. The world says your value isn't intrinsic. It's instrumental. That it's only what you bring to the table. Only what you can do. I was talking to my daughter the other day after school. And I was talking about school. How if I could go back to high school. Which of course I would never do for any sum of money. (laughs) But if I could. What would I change? If I could change one thing. What would I change if I could go back to high school. And it would be this. It would have nothing to do with sports. It would clearly have nothing to do with academics. The one thing I would change is how I treated people. That if I could go back, look, I was never mean. I was never the bully. I never talked down to people. But I was also never the guy who befriended the guy who was alone. I was never the one who invited those on the outside to come in that dug into people who needed it most. Listen, students, I think, need to hear this, but all of us need to hear this. Those outsiders, those weird ones, the ones that it's, e- it's hard to talk to but easy to talk about, they are made in the image of God. They are His. Their life has infinite value. Look, the world we're in, it seeks to divide us into every category it can by race, by gender, by socioeconomics, by sports fandom, by talent or untalent. COVID made this worse, didn't it? Politics has made this worse. Denominationalism has made this worse. This this world and its damnable lie about evolution that only the strong survive, that survival is for the fittest. That if they can do nothing, then they are nothing. God says, no, I've made you. You are mine and your life matters. So love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what? Love others 
as yourself. The world says, are you broken, disabled, Down syndrome, blind? Your life is not worth living. But God says, it was not that this man sinned nor his parents but that the words of God might uh, the works of God might be displayed in him that even in the disability the glory of God is to be seen oh you're black you're less than oh you're white your skin is sin you're old what do you know you're young you clearly know nothing And you and I can fall into this place where we rank ourselves and we rank others by the value they bring to the world. And and God says, no, I'm the one that gives you value. That God has come, he, he had to come to his people regularly and remind them of the value of life. You see it in scripture that he has this deep care for the fatherless, for the widow, For the orphan, essentially all of those cast out in those days, and God says, I love them, that they are my image bearers. They are valuable, and my people are to see them the same way. They're not outcasts. They're not to be forgotten. They are to be loved by you. I was driving down 45 just the other day, and I was a man walking down the ditch. He was clearly homeless. And he was yelling and screaming like he was in an argument, though he was by himself. And he was swinging his arms in the air as if he were in a battle. That man has infinite value. He's made in the image of God. He is an image bearer of the Almighty. And while here, we are to be bearers of that same God. And we do that by how we treat one another. So brothers and sisters, how are you doing? Are you loving others well? Are there certain people in your life that you treat as less than? Are there types or groups of people that you feel are worthy and just deserve to be dishonored? Do your, do your words convey that life is precious? Or must people earn your respect? I've never talked to a single person in the food industry who doesn't say working Sundays after church is horrible because they all treat us like garbage. Listen, this week you're not going to run into a single person who is not made in the image of God. Not one. Every single one is infinitely valued to Him. And is worthy of dignity in your respect. Will you recognize that? Will you see the sanctity of their life that life is precious? Because when you do that, that's when you mirror the glory of your Father in heaven. I want to say one last thing, if I may, and at this point, it kind of feels like a tack-on, and I apologize for that. I want to give you a tangible way we love others, that we value others. Oftentimes, we ask the question, well, what can they do for us? Even subconsciously, we may do that, but let me give you one tangible way. You may look around this room, and you see lots of people you do not know. It's the way I am. I look around, and I don't know many of you, and that's a blessing in one way. I think we are getting a lot of families who have started coming, and it's a blessing. 
I've heard uh, that parking spaces are becoming harder to find. It's a blessing if you're going to have a problem. Not a bad one. With these families come children. And these children are going into our classrooms and they are learning who God is and they are being taught the gospel. God has been so good to us. And yet in his blessing, he calls us to be faithful. So I just want you to hear this from me. We are in great need of people willing to volunteer back there. On Sunday mornings, on Wednesday evenings, we need someone willing to teach children, someone willing to just treat them like they matter, saying, I will go and I will help and I will serve. What do you need? The Lord has been good. And yet with his goodness, there are needs that arrive. And here's what I know. If we won't tangibly love those whom the Lord has brought to us, if we won't do it in here and back there, we won't do it out there. If you're willing to serve and willing to help back there, children that don't know the gospel, don't know his stories, you get to tell it to them. And if you're wrong, they won't know. But I hope you're right. Study and then go. But teach rightly who he is. But listen, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Life is a blessing. The little ones that yell in here, they're a blessing. The ones back there in need, they're a blessing. You, you're a blessing. And it is so good to worship with you this morning. Now may our words and our lives point others to the God who values them. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for who you are. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy that is just so abundant in the lives of those who need it. We need your mercy. We need your grace. So thank you for giving it. And I pray that each person in here would, would know that they have incredible value to you. I pray that each person in here would be trusting in Jesus Christ so that their sins are forgiven and they are made right with you. I pray that each person in here, as they leave here, that it would not be a question whether they love and value others because it is written throughout their lives and throughout their words. Lord, show your kindness to us and through us in this community, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.